All right, I'm going to preach something today, very, very good, like I always do. But I want to ask you a question. Would you promise not to tar and feather me if I don't preach on the manger? Okay, we got three people. Let's see. I mean, I'm now y'all are scaring me. You know, holidays are not easy to, to uh, do. Because very often, it's not what the Lord is saying. We're celebrating a holiday, and he's on another page. And he's talking to me about something very different than, than a manger and Jesus being born. And so, you know, I went in my room the other day, and I, I prayed and prayed and prayed about a sermon. And, and he kept dealing with me about this one issue. And I went, you're the boss. So we're going to talk about prayer. Are y'all ready? We're going to talk about praying and we're going to talk about victory and we're going to talk about the days ahead. And um, uh, promise me before you get out of here, you'll be happy. So I'm going to use my faith right now looking at your faces. Go to Luke 21. All of you that are online, welcome. There's a season that we are in. If you've been here on a Wednesday night, you heard me spend some time talking about what a Shemitah is. We're in a Shemitah. That's a Jewish seven-year period. This starting September till the beginning of next September, we're in the seventh year of a seven-year Shemitah. And that means that a 49-year period is coming to an end. That means that next September, something huge will happen. What? We'll hang out and find out. There's a lot of things happening in the world today, and uh, the Lord wants to do a lot more, and he will. And I'm believing God for that. Our best days are ahead. And so he began to deal with me about my prayer life, and um, not that I needed to kick it up, but, but you know, um, sometimes prayer can become a duty. And lately he began to talk to me about the necessity of it and the fact that I've been praying over this church and praying over us as a family. Go to Luke 21, and um, we're going to start with verse 25. It's going to sound a little bit like we're Easter. But you'll see where we're going in just a minute, and I just need you to go with me. Amen. 21, 25, and there, was, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth distress and nations, perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts will fail them from fear and the expectation of things that are coming on the earth. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then we will see the Son of Man come in in a cloud with power and great glory. And, and now when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift your heads. Your redemption is drawing nigh. I want to bring a word there. Not after they've been going on for a while. When you see it start. How many of you think that the end times has begun? Yeah. We're in, we're in the, the, the time of, the, of um, the woman having a baby, the time of um, the season of that has already begun. It's been going on for several years now. Years ago, what people called conspiracy theories, they're not saying it now. They're looking around and going, 
something's changing, something's changed. As a pastor, I'm going to make sure, number one, you make it. Number two, your family makes it. Number three, we make it in triumph. And we're going to. And I'm going to show you right now how to live from here on in victory. Very, very important what I'm fixing to preach. I tried to find a lion to match my sermon, and I couldn't. So I'm going to leave the lion out today, even though we know what learned. Okay. When he had, then he spoke a parable and said, look at the fig tree and all trees. Now, when he said that, he's saying, if you want to know what's happening, watch Israel. Now, I get Israel news, and I'm watching everything going on over there. It's quite a mess, and I'm going to tell you right now, things are heating up, and something's going to happen soon. When? Don't know. I'm excited. Okay. I know a lot of people are not, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, how to get you excited about what's happening, because that has to happen. When they are already budding and you see and know yourself, summer is near. When you see buds on the dogwood trees and on the, and on the azaleas, you can say, mm, spring is coming, summer's not far away, we'll be skiing soon. So when you, when you see these things happening, know the kingdom of God is near. Uh, surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass till all this has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. Verse 34, take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with carousing drunkenness, cares of the life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. Now I want you to think about what I'm going to say right now. There are people right now, I'm, and I'm t- we're, we're, you know some of them, they have no idea what's going on. If you're talking to them, they're going, I was talking to a minister friend of mine about a month ago, and he says, yeah, I think we got about 40 years. I said, okay, we know you don't know much. And the world is clueless. They have no earthly idea what's happening right now. We're not in the dark. We know. We're supposed to know what said. Jesus said, when you see the day, which means that you can see it. So let me ask you a question. If you're in an airplane and you're landing at Orlando, can you tell you're landing? You can see the runway approaching. You know, you can see the day approaching. Now, a lot of people have come along and made a statement. Well, you know, no one knows the day or the hour. Well, if you're in an airplane, I can pretty much tell you, you know, get your stuff ready. We're going to be landed in a minute. Get on your phone, pull it out. Don't tell them you turned it on. Text them and say, we'll be at the gate in a minute, you know, and just, you're starting to get ready to change from being airborne to walking around on two hind legs. Amen. So things are going to change here in America. And Jesus said, when you see it, look up. That means we need to start looking for him. All right. Well, I'm doing better than y'all, amen. And I'm going to go back to the first service because they were hooping and hollering, but maybe. All right. All right. Take heed to yourself, it says, uh, verse 35. For it will come as a snare on the whole earth on those who dwell on the earth. That means it's going to happen just like the flood, and they're not even going to know it. Watch, therefore, and pray 
always that you may be counted worthy to escape all the things that are going to come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Go back and say, pray always. The ingredient that we're going to pick up on now from here to the rapture is your prayer life. We're going to talk about how to maintain your victory now. Now, we're going to go this way, and we're going to go deep this morning, so, so this is going to be good. This is just going to be good. i got to convince you of that. Amen. 22, verse 31. Go to Luke 22, 31. Now, Jesus, after this, went in with his disciples, and they had the Last Supper. At the, at the Last Supper, and I want you all to know something, when he is there and they're eating the Last Supper... He is talking to them about what is about to happen, and they're not getting it. Do you know why they're not getting it? When I went to Israel, I learned something about the Jewish nation I didn't know. They're waiting on a physical Messiah to set them free from their physical enemies. They believe that their Messiah is coming the first time soon to deliver them from Syria, Iraq, Iran, Turkey, Russia, and Egypt, and all of their physical enemies. They still believe the Messiah is coming to do that, and, and he is, but the second time. The reason they missed Jesus the first time was because they thought that Messiah was going to be like Jesus, like David, and deliver them from the Philistines. They thought he would be like a Gideon and deliver them from their enemies. So whenever Jesus was in the garden with Peter and those guys, and they brought the swords out, Peter is ready to to whoop booty. This, you see, you got to get in their head what they think Jesus is going to do, but he doesn't do it, and it, they lose it. Now, let's pick up this conversation with Jesus and Peter, and the Lord said, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. In other words, he's coming after you. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And he said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, before the roaster crows three times, you'll deny you know me. Now, you understand, for Peter, he just said, you're going to cower. And Peter's like, hey, I'm going to tell you something. I am no coward. Now, he proved that in the garden when he whacked off some dude's ear. He's no coward. But one of the things you and I need to understand is they were not ready for Jesus to go to the garden and then to be captured and taken and killed. They, They were not ready for their Messiah to die. When he died, all of their dreams and aspirations ended, they thought. Do y'all understand that? You see, in the church today, we have a bad habit of thinking we've got everything God's going to do planned. Right. 
And it doesn't always happen the way you think it should. You don't, they always do go the way. But Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to pray for you. And you're going to see in a minute, had he not prayed for him, Peter would not have made it. This is very huge. All right, let's go. Verse 38. Now they leave. Judas gets the money bag, leaves and goes in verse 38. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as was his custom, and his disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said, pray that you not enter temptation. Do what? Say pray. Say it again, pray. Should they, could they have stopped the failure They could have. Had they listened, they could have stopped the failure that was about to take place. Now, I want you to think about what's happening right here. Here we have Jesus that has spent three to three and a half years, depending on when you think he was born, ministering, walking, and talking with 12 men plus other disciples that followed him. He has raised the dead, he's healed the sick, he's walked on water, he's cast out devils. I mean, he, he definitely has proved who he is. Now he's about to oh, go obey God. Now Jesus was already tempted by Satan in the wilderness and passed the temptation, passed the test. He passed the test for all of his life when he died at 30, 33 and a half years. He's about to go to the cross And he's in a garden praying as he always does. And he looks at his disciples and said, right now you need to be praying. And they went to sleep. He has placed everything on these men. And every one of them are failing miserably. And he's about to go die for the world. Does this look like a mess? It does. To Jesus, it's a mess. Now, let's think about Jesus now. He's about to go into the garden, and he's going to pray a prayer. And I want to read it to you because I want to get a little more graphic with what's going on in his soul. And he 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 was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours. An angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthened him, and he being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became great drops of blood, falling down to the ground, and when he rose from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. Let's go back over what's going on. Jesus is human. He's obeying God, but he's finally at a crossroads that he doesn't want to do it. I don't want to do this. He could have said no. But he knows that would have cost you. But listen to what's about to happen. He's about to not just get nailed to a cross. He's about to be turned over, betrayed by one of his own men. He's about to be sent to a praetorium where the Roman soldiers are going to beat him until the Bible says you can't even see whether it was a man. That's the beginning. After that, they nailed him to a cross, a Jewish cross, not a Gentile cross. 
like they nailed him right outside the bus stop in Jerusalem. His feet weren't a foot off the ground. It's an old raggedy tree, and they just nailed him up there. It wasn't the tree, and it wasn't the nails that was bothering Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, him who knew no sin became sin. Jesus cannot die physically because he is immortal until he dies spiritually. And he knows that God is about to pour his wrath, all of it, on him. He's going to taste the wrath of God, and he's going to die spiritually. He can't die physically till he does. So hanging on that cross alone, disciples gone, whole world turned. Even it says that the, that the sun became dark because even the sun wouldn't look at him. And he died on that cross, and he left that cross, and he went into hell, not for three minutes, not for three hours, three days where every demon in hell beat the hell out of him for three days. He's about to go through that, and his disciples, he can't get one disciple to stand with him and pray. They're sleeping. This is quite a deal, isn't it? He comes back to them, and he found them sleeping. Judas then came, and they hauled him off. We're going to pick up the story here of Peter. Um, y'all got quiet on me. Y'all are actually gotten out of the Christmas mood and went into the Easter mood on me there for a moment. So this is, this is what happened. Okay, okay. Verse 54, 22, 54. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house, and Peter followed a distance. And when, they had a, and when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, he sat down together, Peter sat among them, and a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was with him. And he denied him and said, well, and I don't know him. And a little while later also came and Peter said, man, he said, you're one of him. He says, man, I am not. And after about an hour passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was with him. He's a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're saying. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered the word and how he said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Not a good night. Now let's talk about this for a minute. Peter spent three years... Did he see miracles? Did he hear preaching? Does he know Jesus? Why the failure? No prayer. In order for Jesus to make it through the wilderness, the Bible says the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. But for 40 days he prayed. When Satan came, he was ready when Satan came now, the disciples are not ready. They're not taking this time of fellowship with God serious. Had not Jesus spent time in the, world, in the garden praying, he might not have obeyed God himself. Now, he makes a statement to you and I. As you see the day approaching, pray. What is the number one issue with you now? Well, I know you know the Bible. I know you know the Lord. I know you know a lot. 
How is your prayer life? All right. Let's talk about Peter's next trial. And I'm going to tell you this, he does a lot better. So after Jesus rose from the dead, he goes and gathers all of his disciples back up. Go to Acts 4. He gathers them back up. Two of them are on the road to Emmaus. Peter, James, and John went and got their boat back. Every one of them are going back to the life they had before they met Jesus. Every one of them are going backwards. And Peter, Jesus gathers them up, talks to Peter and says, do you love me in the whole nine yards? And finally he says, don't leave Jerusalem. 500 disciples don't leave Jerusalem. 120 show up. Have you ever wondered when you're talking to your kids why they don't listen? You ever have anybody that just don't listen to anything you say? Don't feel bad. They, they didn't listen to Jesus either. But now something's changing and, he, and Peter and they showed up on the day of Pentecost and the Spirit of God came on them, and they began to pray in the Spirit. What is the one thing that God gave you the Holy Ghost for? To pray. Because your power is in your prayer life. Your ability to stand is in your prayer life. The greater one on the inside of you is energized and turned loose in your prayer life. There's a lot of stuff going on in America today that God wants it to stop. And it doesn't have to continue if the church would get up and start praying over the United States of America right now. We would turn a lot of stuff that the devil is trying to do, but the church has been asleep. But sleep no more. We are not sleeping from here on out. Peter had found out one, just one time that he did not have the ability to even resist the devil and to walk in the spirit without spending time in prayer with God. Jesus spent time in prayer with God and when he rose from the dead, he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high and all of that power is pent up on the inside of you until you begin to pray. Once the church begins to pray. See, Satan has more faith in you than you have in you. When the church in America is praying, you'll scare the hell out of the devil. Because he knows he cannot get anything done in this nation as long as the church is praying and seeking God. Jesus said, greater is he who's on the inside of us than he that's in the world. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. You see, once Peter got in there, now we're going to read the story right now and I got to read it to you because I want to read my text. We're word people, we got to read the Bible. But he got in trouble and they arrested him and put him in jail. And we're going to find out this time when he came out of jail, he went back to church and they said, we're going to pray. Let's, let's pick it up here. Peter has learned his lesson. We're going to learn ours. All right, I'm going to make a statement to you right now. Just hold on your horses right now because I'm not, I'm not up here just being cute. 
I am cute, but I'm not just being cute. This church is going to change. Now, I'm saying that this way. Now, just, just because listen to me, God, God is doing something inside me. Now, I mean, it's like there's a fire that he's stoking on the inside of me. Anytime God wants to do something around you, he does it in you. And once he does it in you, it starts happening around you. In this church, we've come in here for years and gone two hymns, two hers, a sermonette, hallelujah, and go home. But today, we're going to do who two hymns, two hers, violin, a sermonette, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to stop Satan's advances in your life, in your children's life, in your grandchildren's life, and we're not going to sit around here and tolerate this any law. He said, I gave my church all authority in heaven and earth is given unto you, and we are done with a bunch of devils running this nation. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm just going to get on. Just, get, just, just let, me, let's let me have a few minutes to vent. I have children and grandchildren like you. And occasionally, they don't listen to a thing I say. Right. Now, Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're not listening to a thing he said. And he looked at Peter and went, you ain't listening. But I prayed for you. Now, I don't know whether my kids understand this or not, but when you don't listen, I find a, a chair and close the door. And I go, let me tell you something, Jack. You might be bucking Papa, but you ain't going to buck God. Because all of my kids are going to be on fire for God. My, my Bible says he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. My sons will all walk with God. My daughters will all walk with God. My grandchildren will all walk with God. And my great-grandchildren will all walk with God because Papa and Nana know how to get a hold of God in heaven. And just like Peter, I'm praying for you, buddy. And when you come back, Come on. Now you thought, well, this is not bad for Sunday morning's Christmas. No, listen, I just couldn't do Christmas yet. I, I, I got to get, get this fire in my guts out. Oh, just, just, let me, just let me roar a while. Okay. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. When they spoke to the people, the chief priests, the captain, the temple, and the Sadducees came, greatly disturbed that they were teaching the people and preaching Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and stuck them in jail. Now I'm sitting there going, okay, this is not a good day. But Peter gets up from jail and he goes back. Look at verse 23. Being let go, they went to their own companions and reported everything that the Democrats and the Republicans and the elders said. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice with one accord to God. Now, I got news for you. The, the, the Washington ain't listening. And maybe Tallahassee ain't listening. But God is listening. This is good. Now, now, now this is powerful. And they prayed Psalm 2. 
Why are the nations raging? People are plotting vain things. The kings of the earth and politicians are taking their stand. Rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against the Christ, truly against your holy servant Jesus, who you anointed, both Biden and uh, Brandon and the rest of them, with all of the rest of the Democrats and Republicans and the people of the United States, Cuba and China had gathered together and whatever your hand and purpose to turn. But Lord, I want you to look at their threats and grant that your servants with all boldness will preach your word with signs and wonders, stretch out your hand to heal that signs and wonders and we're gonna leave this place and we're gonna see people get set free. We're gonna see people coming out of darkness. We're gonna see people coming into light. We're in a spiritual war. Vote yes. Pray you better. Now, now I'm going to start talking about now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, that's a good prayer when you're five, but you ain't five. I prayed that when I was five. I don't know if it did any good, but I prayed it anyway. My mama taught me to pray that prayer. Acts 16, 25. I got, I got a whole pile of these. Whole pile of them. And I'm not even going to. Paul and Silas are out preaching the gospel. Well, they're going to. 16, 6. When they'd gone through Phygia, the region of the Galatians, and were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And after they come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit wouldn't let them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia and pled with him and said, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after we'd seen a vision, immediately we saw that the Lord was con- con- telling us to go preach the gospel there. Well, are you serious? Well, if the Lord's going to tell you to go preach the gospel, they certainly wouldn't have gotten locked in jail. Wrong. Jesus said, In the world, You will have trouble. I want you to do something right now. I want you to get over the fear of seeing trouble. I want you to understand that if the devil locks you up, he's got trouble. I'm going to tell you a story right now. I've I've told it before, and and I'm like Mark Hankins. I'll tell it to you three, four, and five times because, you know, some of you are slow learners. When I worked construction, they sent me and two heathen masons down to Melbourne to do a job. And two of them pulled off into the, the 7-Eleven and got them a case of beer. And they looked at me and said, Morgan, what are you going to do? Sandwich between two heathen all the way to Melbourne. And I said, you need to pray for yourself because you two heathen have sandwiched yourself between a tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy, rolling son of God. And you are going to hear the gospel for two straight hours, boys. You have locked yourself in with a man of God. God help you. Close the door. Get me a dad's. Let's go. Ain't afraid of no devil. Ain't afraid of you. Light is stronger than darkness. And when we got to Melbourne, they wished to God they had never put me in that truck. You know, they, the, the devil swallowed Jonah and that well spit him out. Because when you get on fire for God, even a well don't want you in his belly. Well, if I went to hell, hell would kick me out because I would start a revival down there. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Anyway, where were we? They locked them up, put them in jail. They chained their hands and chained their feet, but they didn't chain their mouth. Now, what I'm reading right now, I love. I love this. 
at midnight. They've been beat, they've been sentenced, and they've been put away by hell. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. Praying. They're in the throne of God. Let me tell you something. You can go in anywhere you want to, any time you want to. And the prisoners were listening, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. Isn't that kind of like the one that happened in the church when they were praying? All right, I'm going to read a story because I like to read stories. I want to show you what's happening when you pray. I want you to get a vision of how awesome it is when you lift your voice. This is a book called Like a Mighty Wind, Mel Tari, the Indonesian Revival where the power of God fell on an island and a bunch of Presbyterians got filled with the Holy Ghost. And they started preaching the gospel all over Indonesia. So one day they go to a pagan village with a witch doctor that's the head of the village. Now listen, they know about Jesus and they know about the devil, but they have a greater success in getting Satan to heal them than God because they're Presbyterians. You see, a denominational God is a dead God. It doesn't work. See, if, if, what, if your faith doesn't work for you, quit preaching it. But these people said they're so simple, they just believe everything they read. So they went to this village, and the, and the, the, the Satanist priest said, well, if your God's all that big, show us. Because we already know that if we ask Satan to heal us, he will. If we ask God, you tell us he might and he might not. Come on, the American church is there now. We, we just kind of take it like, okay, never mind. One day we're going to get a little bigger than this. The pagan priest was excited. He wanted to see if the Christian God could prove himself. So they came together, about a thousand of them, and the head pagan priest in front, the team stood across, and the team members lifted their hands and said, God, you said to go and preach the gospel. You said many signs will follow those that believe. In my name, we will cast out devils. God, these people here want you to prove yourself that you're more powerful than the devil. Now, in the name of Jesus, we bind and cast out all demonic power that has ruled these villages and people for every generation because of Christ's blood on Calvary. We command them to leave now in Jesus' name. And that's all they did. Don't have to go real deep here. After the simple prayer, they said amen, and they looked at one another and let God do his job. Soon the pagan priest began to tremble, and then he began to cry. And he said, brothers, I want your God. I want Jesus right now. With such a quick transformation, the two members did not know what to say. And they said, what caused you to change your mind? One of them asked, oh, Jesus is more powerful than all of the devils, he replied. How do you know that, the team members said. He said, I'm a pagan priest. I've talked with devils. 
I know most of them by their name. He started to cry, and he no longer could control himself. What's the matter? We don't know what's going on. Someone in the team said, I know the priest said, but when you prayed in the name of Jesus, all of the demonic power here began to flee. Do you know what happened? No, we don't know what happened. Tell us. I'm going to tell you I saw with my own eyes and I heard with my own ears the demon powers that have ruled this village gathered together and one by one from the biggest to the smallest and ran away into the jungle and said, Jesus won't permit us to stay here. We must go. Jesus wants these people. Jesus must be a tremendous God. I'm saying all of this because a lot of times you don't realize how powerful it is when you pray. Do you understand that every devil in hell knows more about you than you do? The prayers of a righteous man, say that's me, makes tremendous power available. If Satan has his way, he'd assume you stay asleep. Just sleep through it. But we're not going to sleep through it. Do you know what happens in the spirit realm? Do you realize that when you walked in this church a while ago that all of the demons are in the parking lot? There's not any in this room. And they're waiting on you. You can take them home with you again. Or you can tell them to get out of your car. And while you're at it, tell them to get out of your house. And then after that, tell them to get out of your mind and out of your body. And when you get done with that, tell them to get out of your husband and your wife. And then tell them to get out of your kids and your grandkids. You clean the air up in your own home. You drive him off. Now, Peter finally learned this. He had a failure, but he didn't stay a failure. Later, they put him in a prison. He went to sleep. There was a prayer meeting going on. He got up, and the angel grabbed him, took him off, and away they went, and off he went preaching. Folks, the key to what you and I are dealing with right now is our prayer life above everything else. I'm going to read another story here. How are we doing for time? Ah, plenty of time. I don't know whether you know this or not, but we're going to have a prayer meeting in a minute. We're not closing out with a him and a her and an amen and a hallelujah and a go home. We're going to close this service today by you spending some time talking to God. And you're going to develop a habit of watching and praying. Okay. I want to read something about Kenneth E. Hagin. We have this idea that men of God live on this hill where they have no trouble. That is not true. Men of God have more trouble with the devil than you do. But they don't say anything because you can't handle them having a bad day. 1986, Dad Hagen gave a testimony of how he had been under great opposition from the devil. 
He was not one to talk about these things like this, and he didn't tell anyone until he had the victory. And he told about how he had encountered many evil spirits and other natural pressures that caused him to want to give up. How many of you lately have had pressure to quit? Yeah, amen. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You're in a fight. As much as you need to hear about the manger, you need this. Because that pressure is going to stop today. Because in this time of pressure, the devil accuses you. And then you feel unworthy. Let me make a statement to you about you. When he forgives you, he washes all of your unrighteousness into the, into the sea as far as the east is from the west. When he washes you in the blood and he fills you with the Holy Ghost, if your spirit, man, is alive unto God, you're as righteous as you'll ever be. You're ready to go to heaven right now, but it's your spirit, man, that knows God, that's full of God, but not your soul and not your body. The oppression is coming against your soul. So you have to understand that there is nothing that stands between you and God because of the blood of Jesus. He has cleansed you. He has washed you. He has made you righteous and you might need to remind the devil of that today. I don't know who you think you're messing with. I never said I was perfect, but I said I have perfect faith. I am the righteousness of God. My prayers do get answered. Now I'm telling you in Jesus. See, he's trying to discourage you from walking with God, reading your Bible, and maybe just go out and buy yourself a Christmas present and make yourself happy. Says nobody else is buying you what you want, so you'll just buy yourself one. Man, one time lost his credit card and the credit card company and said, sir, you know, you've lost your credit card. Uh, do you want us to count? He said, no, 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 not really. Just go ahead and let them keep it. And they said, well, you know, people, they're spending. He said, I know, but, but they're not spending as much as my wife did when she had it. <laughs> that's just a joke. That's just a joke. That might be prophetic, but that's supposed to be a joke. And he said the devil caused all this because he, Brother Hagin, was moving into another phase of ministry and he was trying to stop him. In other words, the devil was trying to put a ceiling on his life so he would not fulfill the plan of God. How many of you have been going through something lately? Like there's a lid on you and hell is trying to hold you down. You need to get off in a garden and you need to pray that through and you need to obey God and go ahead and do what he told you to do because your best days are ahead of you. Now, I've had times in my life. Now, I'm just going to tell you about me because I can't tell you about you. I don't always wake up happy. Did you know that? I don't always wake up full of joy. I don't always feel it. There are times when I get under such a burden that I just go. I told Lisa not too long ago, I said, why don't we just move to Tennessee and give the church to Justin? She said, well, he's got to get married. I said, well, we can fix that. We'll just find somebody and get him married out real quick. Just pick a girl out there. Here, get married, Justin. Goodbye. Now, don't look at me in that tone of voice. How many of you have ever felt, felt like it? I have. You know what's lacking? Prayer. 
Spirit of God began to deal with me, get alone and pray. And I'm going to tell you all something. I've been in my room praying and praying and praying and praying. And I mean, it's like a fire is building up on the inside of me. You see, my victory had to come inside. Your victory has to start inside you. The truth is that we all, especially ministers, encounter the same thing. If you're truly living for God, the devil will try to put a ceiling on your life, on your ministry, and on your church. When you try to break through that ceiling, all hell will break loose against you to stop you. You say, Merry Christmas. Now, if Brother Hagen went through this, and I've been through it. And other people have been through it. We're sitting at a time right now at a crossroads. And what Satan wants, he wants you to go to sleep. Let's pull up in the garden. Good night. I'm not going to sleep. So I stopped praying. I stopped talking to people. Not, not to God about them. I stopped talking to you about this church. I talked to God about this church. I said, God, we're having a move, God. And it starts with me. And before I walk in here, I, I tell every demon in hell, you have to stay in the parking lot. I want you to do something right now. We're going to pray in a minute. Jesus told Peter, could you not pray an hour? Can you pray an hour with me? He'd have never failed. When he tells you and I to watch and pray in the time we're living in, you can't change the time you're living in. I know you want to. God, we don't want to be here right now. This is not the time period we wanted to be alive. We, don't, we want Trump to come back, fix the economy, run the Democrats, put them all in prison, Lower our gas bill so we don't cost $100 to fill up our trucks. Don't shout me down. But then tomorrow morning when you wake up and drive to the gas station, you go, oh, crap. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Or you can start praying. I believe our best days are ahead. Greater is he that is inside of me and he that's in the world. So when he filled us with the Holy Ghost, he gave us a prayer life. A prayer life. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer, not just preaching. That means in just a minute, we're going to pray. I want you to do something right now, and I know that some of you are not comfortable doing this. If you can't do it at church, you're not doing it at home. Okay? So I want you to get comfortable praying here. Because we're, listen, if you're not praying, you look weird right now. And you don't want to be an oddball. We're going to get the video cameras to video everybody praying and watch the ones of you that are standing there doing nothing. 
when you pray, God cannot answer a prayer you don't ask. Satan knows that. And you're not asking because you've been taught that he's running everything. That's a lie. If he was running everything, he wouldn't have told you to pray. Why did Jesus, though God, have to pray? Because God was limited by Jesus' prayer life. Is he limited by yours? Is stuff happening in your family because you're not praying? Yes, mine too. I'm not here to condemn anybody. Well, do you want it to stop? Then we're going to pray about it. And when we do, God is going to start moving in your home. My mother. When it came time for one of the, to, for the kids, all three of us kids to be saved, four of us, started with me because I'm the black sheep of the family. I was the troublemaker. I was the one they made the Dennis the Menace movies about. Riding my whole, I bought a horse, put him in the neighborhood. Who does that? And I built the pen out of lumber. I cut off the man next door's property that he didn't know about it. I'm serious. I mean, I was a, I was a mess. And my family would get all mad at me because I'd go out and trap raccoons and bring them home and cook them in the backyard. Mama would not let me bring them in. And when I came home from camping and I'd been out for a week without a bath, they made me strip naked outside. Wouldn't let me come in with clothes on. Throw all my clothes and come in. Sometimes my skibbies I had on my frugal looms. So you can understand why mama picked on me first. Well, listen to me very carefully, but when I'm out hunting and my mama's praying for me, God would get on me in the woods and he'd come on me and go, yeah, what are you going to do? And I'll go, oh, what is this on me now? And I'm laying in the woods and, and the Holy Ghost said, I, I'm there, I'm just there, I'm just there. And I said to God, I wished I was a deer. I just run up this hill and go home. And the Lord spoke. I'm a sinner. I am not seeking God, but my mother is praying. What would you really do if you had 10 wishes? I said, I wish I had 10 more wishes. And when I got to the 10 wishes, I wished I had 10 more wishes. You know, you can be a smart aleck to God. And then he said, why don't you get real? I thought, who is talking to me? I said, I wished I knew I was going to heaven when I left this God-forsaken hell hole. I'm praying to God. And he's listening. And he keeps coming on me, talking to me about heaven and hell. And my mother is not letting go of God until I get saved. Do you understand when I went to Atlanta, I wasn't looking for the Lord. Someone said, I found him. I wasn't even looking for him. When I got saved, I wasn't looking for God. He just smacked me upside the head and I got born again. And he told me to get rid of my dope and my Playboy magazines. And I was looking around going, what just happened to me? And my mother said, one down and three to go. And I'm telling you what, he has been doing a work because my mother prayed. Some of you mamas, 
Come on. Say, I am going to pray them in. Now, you can look at your kids and grandkids and smile real big and go, you don't have a snowball's chance in hell. You're coming in. I'm going to tell you another story real quick. You want to hear a story? Jesse DePlantis. I like Jesse. Jesse was a heathen. Jesse's in Tijuana, Mexico, living like hell. And his mother calls him on the phone in the bar. And he, now listen, nobody knows he's in Tijuana but God. And his mother's praying. And the Lord said he's in Tijuana and gives her the phone number. And so Jesse's over there drinking tequila and smoking dope. And the guy comes out and says, you have a phone call, hermano? From who? I don't know. Picks up the phone and his mother said, Jesse, the Lord told me you are sinning. Mama, how did you get my phone number in Tijuana? The Lord told me, Mama, leave me alone. I'm trying to sin. Did he make it? No. His mama won. Say, I will win. (laughs) Say, Merry Christmas. It's time for the church to start praying. We are going to be a praying church. And we're not going to let hell have a popka. And we're not going to let hell have you. And we're not going to, and listen, with you people that have been sick, we're going to stop that. Are you listening to me? We're going to get together and just get it off you. Just drive it off you. You say, well, I don't know the Bible. Well, we're going to help you pray your brain into God's brain. He died and paid a high price for you to be healthy. And you're not going to run around sick. He's going to start helping you to live victoriously. And then your kids, when you get around them this Christmas, I want you to look across the table and go, (laughs) you're going to be preaching someday real soon. You might not be listening to me, but you're going to listen to God. Do you think I gave you the Holy Ghost just to make you cute? I just said that in tongues. He didn't give you the Holy Ghost so you'd be cute. He gave you the Holy Ghost so you could be victorious. 100% of the time. Say, hey, devil. I'm going to start praying. Your bad days are over. Now, I'm going to start off right now and pray over America. You can hook with me if you want to. But the Bible says in Acts, they lifted their voice. That means that they were not praying. Now I lay me down to sleep. I know there's people who who think that the only way to talk to God is quiet. 
That's what they do in the Catholic Church. We're not Catholics. I'm going to come over here and I'll preach for a minute. <laughs> God ain't nervous. He's all right. He can hear all of us praying at one time. Now, now listen, this may seem strange to your flesh. and You want to crawl up in a bed and go to sleep. Well, it's almost 12 and you can sleep after lunch. But right now, we're not sleeping. Are you ready? If you don't want to pray with me about America, I want you to pray over your children. If the devil's bothering you, I want you to tell him to get off you. I want you to start taking authority over every drop of hell trying to stop you. No more. Mommy, lift on me to Father God. I thank you right now in this church. I call word of life a praying church. I pray that from this day forward, when we enter those doors back there, we're coming in here to worship you. We're coming in here to give our tithes and offerings. We're coming in here the word of God, but we're also coming in here to pray. We're coming in here because the early church gathered together and they prayed and they saw great victory in the city. They saw great victory and they saw their families come. Jesus saw his brothers come in. He saw his mother come in. He saw his whole family come into the kingdom. And he saw Peter come back. And he saw James and John come back. And he prayed all the rest of them back into the will of God. After they had all left, they prayed them back. Heavenly Father, we're praying them back. I pray over our children right now. I pray over our grandchildren. I pray over my family. I pray over my sons and my daughters. And I say, Heavenly Father, like the hound of heaven, I want you to get a hold of them and draw them back into the kingdom of God. I take authority over every devil in hell. Come on, I can't hardly hear y'all. It said they lifted their voice. I mean, I want to hear somebody praying loud enough that I can't hear myself. They lifted their voice. They lifted their voice. Shido, I will do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. Bananana, Halomano, Shonomate, Hadekina Chini, Chedebeki, Shedebede, Manaloma, Nanamone, Halebede. Father, I pray over the United States of America. You're not done with this nation, you've spent too much time in it. You've raised this nation up for your glory. As a, as a pastor of a church and as a church, we say we don't allow the, the corruption in this nation. And I, I take authority over it of a Washington in Jesus' name. And I ask you to remove every corrupt man up there, every corrupt woman. Expose them. Pull them out of there. Get them out of those seats. Right now, I pray over the governors of our states. Remove them. Get them out of those seats. Replace them with men and women of God. I pray now over pastors all over this nation, all over the United States of America, that they'll get back on fire for God. They'll get back on fire. I pray the churches will get back on fire for God, that they will begin to pray the fire down. They'll begin to pray the anointing of God down. They'll begin to pray the, 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 the will of God into their churches and over our children and our grandchildren and our families. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Ha ha ha. 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 Ha 
Say this, Heavenly Father. Teach me to pray. Teach me to follow the Holy Ghost. Teach me how to have victory in my life through prayer. Teach me to pray for my family. I will see them come out of darkness in light in Jesus' name. Now let me give you one more scripture the Holy Ghost prompted me. Out of your belly flows what? Say rivers. Everywhere the river goes, in a desert, it grows something. I ain't talking about a bucket of water, I'm talking about a river. He didn't say he gave you a bucket. He didn't say spit on it. He said, out of your belly, when you pray, all of the stuff you've been dealing with will change when you get the river going. You say, my kids aren't doing what I said. You get that river flowing in their life. Don't let them be dry anymore. You say, but my body is not responding to my faith. Get the river on it. Where the river goes, plants grow. Fruit grows. Come on, y'all. Now, I, I, I was given an assignment this morning, though it's Christmas, to get you back in your prayer closets. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We're not stopped. This is, just, this is not a one Sunday affair with me right now. I've been praying more than I've ever prayed in my life, and I love it. I've been getting answers from God and I've been in there seeking God's face and praying over stuff. And last night I was praying over something and praying over for about a year. And, and because I'd been so much praying for you, he answered a question for me that I had. I went, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I saw a victory, a personal victory that I have not seen in a long time. That river's not just flowing over Joshua, Justin, Jordan, Che, Ashley, Rachel, Reagan, Cody, and Tyler. It's flowing over me and Lisa. When I was in heaven, I stood in the river coming out of God. Nothing can die in the river. Zoe, that river in you is life. And everywhere it goes. So, does God want you to have fun? Yes, but make sure that your pray day doesn't become a play day. God wants you to have a work day, and he wants you to have a play day. But you make sure that pray day stays pray day. You understand? That's just, no, I'm not talking about you becoming a nun or a monk. I'm just talking about you taking this time with God, and you say, right now, it's real serious with me. I got to go pray. Now, the devil will do everything in his power to stop you from doing it. And he'll even put you to sleep. Jerry Savelle said one time he stood on the, he got the bathtub and filled it up with ice water. And he sat on the edge of it and said, told his body, I dare you to fall asleep. <laughs> Father, thank you for this church and all of those online.
I pray that right now we will see the greatest move of God in this nation we have ever seen. One day soon, we're going to see you split that sky and open it up and we're out of here. But until then, we're going to occupy. And we're not leaving defeated. We're leaving victorious. And the devil's going to know we're here. I pray over this church that everybody in it, at the sound of my voice, would hear what the Spirit of God is saying and pick this up and begin to work seriously on our prayer life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, well, Merry Christmas. I'm going to go home and watch Thou the Grinch Stole Christmas and get in the Christmas mood, and I'll be back. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to share something with you during this holiday season. We're all spending lots of money and buying gifts for people. Sometimes we can get into a, a bit of a complaining mood when you have large families. Can somebody say amen? Okay. Me and dad were talking about this. We have a very large family. Plus, we've had a lot going on in the past two months with weddings and all kinds of stuff and gift buying. And then I did a wedding for a friend and gift buying. And, I, and then you got your taxes coming up and you got, you know, your homeowner's insurance due every six months, which is, comes around December. It seems like that everybody wants all their bills in December. You know, taxes want their bit theirs in January. So I started complaining to dad about how much I've been given. And Mark Hankins texted me a scripture kind of out of nowhere, and it's Ephesians 6, 8. Knowing whatever good anybody does, he'll receive the same from the Lord, whether he's a slave or he's free. And it says before that, you're always doing goodwill and service to the Lord and not to men. This holiday season, I want you to think about your giving to people as you've given to the Lord. And Jesus says, whatsoever good things you do to people, you'll receive the same from the Lord. And um, that really, that scripture really changed my heart towards giving. And um, dad told me the other night, he said, go home and quote that scripture and start confessing it. Uh, because if you're not giving voice to it, how does, like he said, how does God answer a prayer that you're not even asking? How does he answer the word when you're not even confessing it? So the other night I started going home and I said, Lord, I've been given and I've been buying, I bought a lot of Christmas presents this year. And so whatsoever good things I do, I'll receive from you. And the Lord put on my heart a, a person, she's a widow, and she's not in this church, to give to her. And it was an unexpected gift. And the Lord said, wouldn't you like to have an unexpected gift? I said, yes. He said, sow some unexpected gifts to people. Especially, the Bible says, take care of the widows, right? So if you think about somebody this season that you would normally not give to, take care of people. Think about people around you that may not have the greatest Christmas. And so there's a friend of mine, and uh, she's in Nashville, and uh, I, I sent her a gift. She doesn't know it's coming. She's an older woman, very, very good friend of our families, and I'm sending her something. She doesn't know. It's, she's going to be surprised when she gets it. And the Lord said, believe me for the unexpected gifts because you sowed them now. And I'm telling you, sow some unexpected gifts, and I'll prophesy and say this, that they'll come to you this holiday season. As I said that first service, somebody... So th this happened a couple of days ago. Somebody sent me an unexpected gift right after that. Somebody that would normally I wouldn't get something. Then this morning, somebody brought me another unexpected gift. And so the same that you sow, you'll receive what? The same from the Lord. And so I say that that'll start happening to us. Start believing God. Don't get into the, the drudgery of the holiday spirit. Ugh. You know, got to buy all this stuff. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to receive the same from the Lord.
and I'm giving to the Lord. And one last thing, when you see your families, I'm going to read this to you. Remember, we have a love book if you want to get one. Remember when you're around your families, the Bible says love suffers long, having patience with imperfect people. Love is kind and active and doing good. Love does not envy since it's non-possessive and non-competitive. It actually wants other people to get ahead. Hence, it does not parade itself. Love has a self-effacing quality. It's not unstenious. Love is not puffed up. Treating others arrogantly does not behave rudely, but displays good manners and courtesy. Love does not seek its own, insisting on its own rights, demanding precedence. Rather, it's unselfish. Love is not provoked. It's not irritable. It's not touchy, rough, or hostile, but it's graceful under pressure. Love thinks no evil. It does not keep an account of wrongs done to it. Instead, it erases resentments. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, finding satisfactions in the shortcomings of others, spreading an evil report, but rather it rejoices in the truth. And this is a good one. Aggressively advertising the good. Now that's hard to do. Bears all things, defending and holding other people up. Love believes the best about others. It credits them with good intentions. It's not suspicious. Love hopes all things never giving up on people, but affirming their future. Love endures all things, preserving and remaining loyal to the end. If, you go, if you're going home to a hard family, <laughs> take that book and read it before you walk in. <laughs> you don't have to fight with people, get in the ditch with them, argue over whatever they want to argue about, and believe the best about them. Like he's saying, we're praying for our family, believing that they're coming around, believing that they're going to you know, there's a revival starting inside them. They're going to see Jesus. And uh, we, me and my parents were talking about a certain person, and the Lord said, go get that book. You need to credit them with good intentions and believe the best. And start talking. It says, spread aggressively advertising the good about them. How are people ever going to change if, you, if we're always talking bad about them? Because really, people become what you say to them. If you're always telling them their faults, they become their faults. But when you see your family, you know what? Maybe say when they walk in, you know what? You're a blessing. They may look at you and laugh because they know how you really think about them. <laughs> Mark Hagen says, if you're not thinking the way love thinketh, it won't be soon. You won't be acting the way love acteth. Think good about people this holiday season. Think about giving to people that you wouldn't normally give. And as our altar workers come up, if you need prayer for anything, remember Wednesday night we have a beautiful service. And then um, uh, Saturday night, 7 to 10, we're going to be doing prayer. Come to prayer. Do what pastor's saying and come and pray us into the new year. I believe we're going to see great, tremendous things Saturday night. I'm coming to pray 7 to 10. And uh, if you need prayer, we're always here. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.